The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. So I am seeing reports that Vice President Kamala Harris... Uh, has tested positive for COVID. Uh, She's been vaccinated twice and boosted at least once, maybe twice. So certainly hope that she is not uh, extremely ill uh, and that she recovers quickly. Uh, The reports are that she is not exhibiting any symptoms and President Biden is not a close contact. So hopefully... Uh, I don't know what the protocol is. I mean, I suppose they're following CDC protocols at the White House, even though (laughs) CDC has no clue what it's doing. But as I saw the headline, I was pondering, how would that sound when Kamala Harris comes back to work and is asked about her latest brush with COVID? This is at least the second time she's had it. And I picture her saying something like, COVID is... A disease, diseases are caused by germs. Germs are really small. You can't see germs with your eyes. You need a machine called a microscope to see germs. Scientists and doctors use microscopes. And that's really, really important. So something like that. We'll see what she has to say when she comes back to work. I hope she does come back to work. Because if she did not come back to work, heaven forbid, if this uh, kept her from continuing her duties as vice president, I wonder who Joe Biden would tap as his vice president. Because there's a book out now by the uh, New York Times reporting staff that says Biden didn't really want her as his vice president. Amazing. Amazing, isn't it? What does that tell us if they're right? And I mean, they're the New York Times, so they're never wrong. So if the New York Times reporters who wrote this book say that Joe Biden did not really want Kamala Harris as his vice president, well, would I be wrong to say that means Joe Biden is not in charge of his own affairs? I mean, if he didn't want her as vice president, and she is indisputably the vice president, that would tell me that somebody is telling Joe Biden what to do, which that would not be good, would it? The president of the United States does not have the final say on something as consequential as his vice president. Now, that sounds bad, but, but you could look at it and go, well, maybe you need to give Joe a little more credit, Bruce, because you say... He's not in charge of his faculties, and if indeed he was smart enough not to want Kamala Harris as his vice president, then he appears to have a lot more on the ball than you give him credit for. Point taken. Point taken. Good, good, good point. But if she could not continue as vice president, who would Joe Biden tap? This gets to what I think is delicious um, forecasting for who the Democrats might run in 2024. I know Biden is supposedly telling everyone he's going to run in 2024. Uh, He means that figuratively, not literally, because I'm sure the man could not run if he had to. He can barely walk. 
okay? He stumbles, he bumbles around. I'm nervous for him when he walks. While I am not a fan of Joe Biden, and while I've said before, I find him an extremely sad case because he has been exposed to biblical truth in his life, and he clearly, clearly is not allowing it to chart the course for his life. I find that sad for Joe Biden and for any human being who is in that situation. But I do not believe he will be physically capable of running a campaign in 2024, because in 2024, unless the Democrats can concoct COVID again out of thin air, he will have to campaign. And Joe Biden in front of an open microphone is, well, not exactly an ideal situation. Case in point, yesterday, Joe Biden breaks from all the pressurized, careful rhetoric that he has to engage in on a daily basis, which, you know, when he fails, the Easter Bunny comes over and pulls him away, he was doing something about as innocuous as a president can do yesterday. He was hobnobbing with a sports team that won a championship. The Tampa Bay Lightning, the champions of the National Hockey League, were at the White House yesterday. And uh, President Biden uh, decided that he would uh, welcome the National Hockey League commissioner, to the White House as well, figures the commissioner is going to glom on to the Lightning's success and get a free trip to the White House out of it. Of course, sure, I get it. I would probably do the same. Uh, the commissioner of the National Hockey League is a gentleman by the name of Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman. But apparently Joe Biden thinks that uh, the commissioner of the National Hockey League is, uh, uh, well, he is a superhero. I want to thank Commissioner Gary Bettman and for being here as well. Gary Batman, he said. Gary Batman is the commissioner of the National Hockey League, according to Joe Biden. I want to thank Commissioner Gary Batman and for being here as well. <laughs> oh, well, you know, you're not going to get in as much trouble calling Gary Batman Gary Batman as you will if you're talking about, you know, hey, you guys here of the 57th Airborne Division, wait till you get to Ukraine. What will we do with a chemical weapons attack? Why, we will respond in kind. Any thoughts on Vladimir Putin? The man cannot remain in power. Those are more consequential gaffes than... I want to thank Commissioner Gary Batman. And Gary Batman. Here as well. Was Gary there with his, uh, his youthful ward, <laughs> Robin the Boy Wonder? I don't know. Uh... <laughs> Oh, my, 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 my. Joe Biden, Joe Biden. Who would they get to stand next to Joe Biden if Kamala Harris couldn't do it? Who do you think is going to run on the Democratic ticket in 2024? Who will run against Donald Trump? Because I'm convinced Trump's running. I'm, I'm, I'm torn. Like, I, you know my feelings on this. Like, he wakes the enemy up, and he's the only way we can lose. But he'd be a great president. I want the presidency in 2024 for eight years, not for four. That's why I want DeSantis or Pompeo, or whoever survives the primary. And don't demonize each other, please, in the primary. Who would you bet on, on the Democratic side in 2024? I I think you ought to keep your eye on Cory Booker. I think Cory Booker. I can't see Cory Booker getting beaten by Elizabeth Warren. I can't see Cory Booker getting beaten by Bernie Sanders. I can't see, will AOC be old enough? I don't know. That would be delicious if she ran. (laughs) 
Uh, Andrew Cuomo back from the grave? I don't know. Do they have anybody in media who could run? Could Chris Cuomo run? He's egomaniacal. The Cuomo brothers are even egomaniacal enough to run. Cuomo and Cuomo. Woo! Run for your lives, ladies. If those two guys are running, yowza. But Kamala will probably be back. Do I think Kamala will be the Democratic nominee in 2024? I don't. I don't. I I just... She has... <laughs> she has... I mean, her in front of a live mic. That's a real gaff off right there. Her in front of a live mic or Joe Biden in front of a live mic. Um, would be highly entertaining. But of course, I'm not surprised that the New York Times reporters are in their book saying that Joe Biden did not want Kamala Harris as his vice president. Because while I try to be a forgiving person, and while I have said in this very radio show today that those who are demonizing people for things they said five, six years ago should be let up, particularly if you are a professing Christian, if you're the, you're the recipient of much grace, and all of us who are authentic Christians hopefully understand we are the recipients of much grace, then we have to be able to extend that to others, or at least endeavor to extend it to others. And the people who would pillage candidates for things they said six years ago, I don't think are extending grace. But if you're Joe Biden and you're an a la carte Catholic, you pick the parts you like, you leave the parts you don't, uh, the pro-life part, no, 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 I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. The uh, eternal fire insurance, yes. Give me a double helping of that, please. Joe Biden is an a la carte Catholic. Then I could see where he would leave the forgiveness on the buffet line and would not want Kamala Harris as his running mate because, after all, would you want someone as a running mate who called you a racist in a debate? (laughs) I wouldn't. So I've always thought this was a strange pairing. She was an inept choice as vice president because while we have had in the past pairings of presidents and vice presidents who were not chummy, Lyndon Johnson, John Kennedy, Ronald Reagan, George Bush, Gerald Ford, I don't even remember. Well, Gerald Ford with Nixon, but they were chummy. But here's the deal. A lot of times you pick the person who finished second to you, right? That makes sense. It's a way to reach out to the people in the party who were mad you got the nomination and their candidate did not. So Kamala Harris, Joe Biden wouldn't be the first forced marriage as a presidential ticket. But she had no support. She had no support. And she called him a racist. Was he going to lose California if he didn't pick Kamala Harris? What? No chance. As Nancy Pelosi once said, a glass of water with a D on it could win that district. The Democrats going to win California 100 times out of 100. So picking her got him nothing. The pick for him as vice president, in my view, was clearly Beto O'Rourke. Maybe you bring Texas in. If you get Texas, it's over. Beto's young. You set Beto up to run in the future. He's super woke. But they pick Kamala. They pick Kamala. And now she has COVID. And now she's not going to be in front of a microphone telling us about the uh, significance of the passage of time or that space is exciting. 
But just think of the eloquent things she will have to say when she returns from COVID and explains it to us in terms that only she can muster. That's unclear. Bruce Uli, final segment. We'll hand it off to Dennis Prager at the top of the hour. And as I laid my head down to sleep last night on my my pillow, on my my pillow mattress topper, covered by my Giza sheets. Yes, honestly, I was placed in the most serene of all moods. Two reasons: number one, because a number of you have responded to my advisory that PatriotSwitch.com will give you a way to be purposeful with your shopping dollars. You'll buy from a company, a private shopping club that does not allow me to advertise their name because they only respond to those people who express an interest first. That's why you have to go to PatriotSwitch.com, click on the down arrow in the menu, click on my name, and then I'll reach out to you, contact you, and I'll have a conversation with you or we'll email or text or whatever. And I've enjoyed those conversations with those of you who I reached out to Sunday and Monday very much. Got a few more of you on my docket today. Looking forward to that. But the second reason, the second reason, besides going to PatriotSwitch.com and clicking Bruce Hooley in the How Did You Hear About Us menu, were two headlines. One from Slate, a very left-wing outlet. And the other from uh, Vox. And the Vox headline was, The Religious Right Had a Great Day in the Supreme Court. The justices may take a big bite out of the First Amendment's Establishment Clause, or they may take a simple, or they may simply take an enormous bite out of it. It is so delicious to see the progressive left all in a dither over this slam-dunk case of a former assistant high school football coach in the state of Washington who was attacked by his school district for going to the center of the field after games and praying and praying. See, he not dare pray in public view because in the eyes of the progressive left, this coerced (laughs) students to go pray with him. Now, I ask you, if a coach were, let's say, Muslim and would lay down a blanket at sundown and... uh, face Mecca and pray, do you think all the players would go over and do that? No, I think they would not. I think they would be respectful of that. If they were Muslim, they would probably do it. But I don't think that would cause, as uh, Slate said, a stampede of students to pray with him that imperiled the safety of kids in the marching band. Oh, my. How terrible. A man is praying at midfield of a football game. And his players run over, kneel down, and pray with him. And the poor tuba player. uh, There were no tuba players injured in the collective of this prayer service. (laughs) Maybe we need to put a disclaimer on the uh, highlights from the game. Now, this is an interesting argument. I will give this some airing in the Slate.com story. It says, not every member of the football team shares their coach's Christian faith, but virtually all of them felt compelled to participate. Team members later explained that praying with Kennedy was expected. 
The coach even encouraged his own players to recruit their opponents and their coaches into the prayer circle. Some students joined in only because they feared they, quote, wouldn't get to play as much if they declined or because they did not, quote, wish to separate themselves from the team. Now, I read this paragraph with interest. and I said to myself, Bruce, this reminds you of something that I think you just talked about on the show. People being coerced into doing something that they maybe didn't want to do by others who were doing it. And I racked my brain and I racked my brain and I racked my brain. Not as good at racking my brain as I used to be. And finally it hit me. Friday was the LGBTQ day of silence in our local schools. And silence was required for you to demonstrate your sympathy with an agreement with the fact that LGBTQ plus students and teachers are persecuted by those around them. And if you were not silent on Friday, or if you did not wear the buttons that they gave out, indicating that you were allowed to be silent all day, or if you did not wear the designated color to school that day, demonstrating that you were sympathetic with the LGBTQ plus movement, then you were assumed to be against said movement, other than like just going to school and having normal class and participating in class like a normal day. So I find it interesting that this coach silently praying on the field, or even audibly praying on the field, he is allowed to do that, is considered coercion, but telling people what they have to wear, buttons or t-shirts, or telling people they cannot talk at all, day of silence, that's not coercion in the mind of the progressive left. Anybody sense a double standard here? This is why it's important for Elon Musk to buy Twitter, because we need a platform, and we'll only have one, Twitter. We'll still be up against Google and Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. We'll still be vastly outnumbered. Uh, Slate's coverage of Kennedy versus Bremerton School District says, the case is built on a series of brazen lies designed to depict the plaintiff as a victim of anti-Christian discrimination and to erase the students whom he coerced into prayer. A majority of the court will likely buy into this fiction and elevate school officials' ability to proselytize. Is the NEA or the O, whatever, the teachers' associations, are they engaged in any kind of proselytization? Anybody? Any teachers made to sit through developmental seminars where they're told that 12-year-olds have gender and sexual ideology all figured out? Is that happening? It's happening everywhere. Boy, it doesn't feel very good when it's happening to you, does it? (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.